Broadcasting live from the KVXL studios at Liberty Baptist Church in Las Vegas. Freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. The Frittle Show with Crystal Heath. I've said that we must be cautious in claiming God is on our side. I think the real question we must answer is, are we on His side? Faith, family, freedom. For me, it's very simple. I think we've got to... We've got to get the country back on the right track with the most inspiring agenda. A voice in the desert. Now, here's Crystal Heath. My friends, before I begin the expression of those thoughts that I deem appropriate to this moment, would you permit me the privilege of uttering a little private prayer of my own? And I ask that you bow your heads. Almighty God, as we stand here at this moment, my associates in the, my future associates in the executive branch of government join me in beseeching that thou will make full and complete our dedication to the service of the people in this throng and their fellow citizens everywhere. Give us, we pray, the power to discern clearly right from wrong and allow all our words and actions to be governed thereby and by the laws of this land. Especially we pray that our concern shall be for all the people, regardless of station, race, or calling. May cooperation be permitted and be the mutual aim of those who, under the concepts of our Constitution, hold to differing political faiths, so that all may work for the good of our beloved country and thy glory. Amen. That was President Dwight D. Eisenhower before giving his first, well, his inaugural address. He said, you know what? We're going to pray. And he led the nation in a prayer president from the inauguration i think that was a pretty awesome moment and we're doing all kinds of different fun stuff inauguration history this week leading up to president-elect uh donald trump's inauguration tomorrow this is crystal heath you're listening to the frittle show on 101.1 fm experience liberty radio here in las vegas we are going to be having Jean mancini she's the president of the march for life which is the national march for life which is happening next friday in washington dc a huge event which the media always tends to ignore. So we're going to have her here. We're going to talk about that. But first, we are going to talk about uh, we're going to talk about what is happening leading up to the inauguration. And I promised that we would talk today about Donald Trump's cabinet picks. So we're going to go through this. There's a lot of them. Hang on to your seats. Ready? Here's the hoo hoo. The hoo hoo. All the what were they called? In the who I don't remember. Anyway, um, who's who is what I was going for. Here's the who's who of President-elect Donald Trump's cabinet picks. You ready for Secretary of State? These are the cabinet-level positions: Rex Tillerson, former CEO of Exxon Mobil; Rick Perry, for Secretary of Energy, obviously the former Texas governor, two-time presidential candidate, former Texas Agriculture Commissioner. Ryan Zink, he's a secretary for Secretary of Interior. He's a U.S. representative from Montana, a former Navy SEAL. James Mattis, for Secretary of Defense. He's a retired Marine General, former commander of U.S. Central Command. Steve Munchkin is nominated for Secretary of Treasury. 
He was the former Trump campaign finance chairman, former Goldman Sachs partner, and a Hollywood producer. Jeff Sessions for Attorney General. He's a U.S. Senator from Alabama. Ben Carson for Secretary of Housing and Urban Development. You all know him, former director of pediatric neurosurgery at John Hopkins. Uh, Wilbur Ross has been nominated for Secretary of Commerce. He's an investor and former banker. Tom Price for Secretary of Health and Human Services. He's a, a U.S. representative from Georgia, chairman of the House Budget Committee and an orthopedic surgeon. Betsy DeVos for Secretary of Educa- Education. She's a charter school advocate, a philanthropist, and a Republican donor. Elaine Chow for Secretary of Transportation. She was a former Secretary of Labor, I believe, under President George W. Bush. Nikki Haley has been nominated for U.S. Ambassador to the United Nations. She is, of course, the governor of South Carolina. Andrew Pudzer for Secretary of Labor. He is the CEO of CKE Restaurants. John Kelly for Homeland Security. He's a retired Marine general and also a former commander of the U.S. Southern Command. Scott Pruitt. Administrator of the Environmental Protection Agency. He is an Oklahoma Attorney General and or is Oklahoma's Attorney General and a former state senator. Mike Mulvaney has been nominated for Director of Office of Management and Budget. He is a U.S. Representative from South Carolina. Linda McMahon has been tapped for Administrator of the Small Business Administration. She is I'm sorry, I have a hard time not laughing when I say this, but she is the former CEO of World Wrestling Entertainment. Yes, the former president of WWE has been tapped for small business administration. Robert Leitzer is nominated for U.S. Trade Representative. He is the former deputy U.S. Trade Representative, so he's just taking a step up. David Shulkin for Veterans Affairs. Uh, he's currently the Undersecretary for Health for the Department of Veterans Affairs and a former hospital executive. So then, uh, then we go to people who will be serving in the White House. Reince Priebus has, of course, been nominated as Chief of Staff. He was the Chairman of the Republican National Committee. Michael Flynn for National Security Advisor. He's the former Director of the Defense Intelligence Agency, retired Army Lieutenant General. Stephen Bannon has been nominated for Chief Strategist. He's the Executive Chairman of Breitbart News and probably Trump's most controversial uh, pick to this point. Donald Began for White House Counsel. He's a former member of the Federal Election Commission. Kellyanne Conway as Counselor to the President. She's the former Trump campaign manager. You've seen her on TV a lot. Sean Spicer is rounding out the picks as Press Secretary. He was formerly the Chief Strategist and Communications Director for the RNC. So it just makes sense that uh, if Priebus is going, that Spicer would go with him and they have a good uh, working relationship. So those are what those are the nominees we have so far. I think I had seen a headline that uh, Trump has just announced as of the morning hour of this show that is Trump had just announced his final cabinet pick but I don't have any information. I wasn't able to look that up before coming uh, on the air. But that is that's the rundown. That's all the people that have been nominated that are most likely going to be confirmed. And what I love about this list is how many of these people um, profess to be Christians. Now, some of them are evangelical, some of them are Catholic, some of them are, are uh, Greek Orthodox, but there are a lot of a lot of Trump's cabinet members who claim uh, to be Christian. I just want to tell you about a couple of them. You probably already know about uh, some of them, but uh, Reince Priebus, he was one of Trump's first picks. He is... Uh, In a CNN segment titled A Day in the Life of Reince Priebus, he said the three things that get him through the day include the Greek Orthodox liturgy, and the other two are the Republican Party platform and the Milwaukee Brewers schedule. (laughs) 
He has a dual membership in two Wisconsin churches, Kimisi Greek Orthodox Church and Grace Church, where he started a Bible study and prayer group for young married couples. Kind of interesting, huh? Lieutenant General Michael T. Flynn, for uh, he's the National Security Advisor. Um, he was born and raised in an Irish Catholic family of blue-collar Democrats and is still very faithful to his Irish Catholic roots. Then you have U.S. Senator Jeff Sessions, probably the most outspoken Christian of Trump's picks, probably also my favorite one. Uh, He was previously a prosecutor for the Justice Department. He attended Huntington College in Montgomery, Alabama, which is affiliated with the United Methodist Church. And he's active in his home church, Ashland Place United Methodist Church in Mobile, where he served as a lay leader, a Sunday school teacher, and chairman of its administrative board. He's also served as a delegate to the annual Alabama United Methodist Conference. Then you have Mike Pompeo. He's the director of the CIA. In Congress, Pompeo supported conservative Christian stance on abortion rights and voted to defund Planned Parenthood and told the Associated Press that he believes that abortion should only be allowed to save the life of a mother. Pompeo, his wife Susan, and their son Nicholas attend Eastminster Presbyterian Church where he serves as a deacon and teaches the fifth grade Sunday school class. Then Betsy DeVos, another one of my, probably one of my favorite picks from, uh, from Donald Trump, is his pick for Secretary of Education, Betsy DeVos. Um, she has deep roots in the Christian Reformed denomination. She graduated from Calvin College and attended Mars Hills Bible Church in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Uh, her husband, Dick DeVos, is a former candidate for Michigan governor who supported the teaching of intelligent design in public schools. Then, of course, Nikki Haley, another great pick, Republican governor of South Carolina. Uh, She was born into a Sikh family that immigrated to South Carolina from India and converted to Christianity after marrying Michael Haley in 1996. She now attends a Methodist church. On her website in 2010, her statement of faith read, and I I believe this would be her uh, campaign website, which was no longer in existence, said, My faith in Christ has a profound impact on my daily life, and I look to him for guidance with every decision I make. God has blessed my family in so many ways, and my faith in the Lord gives me great strength on a daily basis. Being a Christian is not about words, but about living for Christ every day. Then we have Tom Price. He's an orthopedic surgeon and U.S. representative from Georgia, and he's Donald Trump's pick to head the Department of Health and Human Services. He is also a Presbyterian. He attended Emory University, uh, and he has uh, taken a strong stand uh, in Congress uh, for traditional values and biblical principles. And those are just a couple of the ones that I wanted to highlight. They're some of my favorite ones, so I did want to mention them. And I think that there is a lot of potential for the advancement of uh, principled traditional values and biblical governance in the people that, uh, that Mr. Trump has selected. So we'll we'll be looking forward to seeing what they are able to accomplish. They're going to need our prayers. The fact of the matter is, uh, Mr. Trump, soon to be President Trump, is not a perfect person. And uh, no one surrounding him is a perfect person, regardless of where they go to church or where they don't go to church. Uh, even if they know Jesus, then they're still a sinner, just a saved sinner. So they all are going to need our prayers. None of them are perfect, but I think that we deserve or they deserve rather that we give them all a chance and let them let's see what they can do. Let's see what they can do.
All right, so a little fun, uh, some fun things I want to get to here before we have to go to a break, and then we'll get Jean Mancini in here from the March for Life. She's going to talk with us in just a few minutes. But I want to talk first. This is just this is just something fun related to the inauguration. Inauguration Day Bibles. Inauguration Day Bibles. So when uh, when President Obama, all right, well, let me tell you how I got on this. It uh, it has been announced that uh, President-elect Trump is going to take his oath of office on two Bibles. He's going to use his family Bible, which was given to him by his mother when he graduated from Sunday school. And he is also going to be using uh, Lincoln's Bible, I believe, is the other one that he's going to be using. And when I read that headline, I thought that is like the most Trump thing that you could ever do. You know, you get sworn in on a Bible, but no, he's going to get sworn in on two Bibles. And I just thought, oh my goodness, of course, we're going to, we're going to get two Bibles. But then I, I re- remembered when I started looking into this some more about history of which presidents have chosen which Bibles and the significance of that. This is an unprecedented Apparently, and I don't remember this, but apparently President Obama was also sworn in on two Bibles. So it's not Mr. Trump having this grandiose, uh, I'm going to one-up everybody by having two Bibles instead of one. No, President Obama actually did this uh, as well. He was sworn in on Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s Bible as well as Lincoln's Bible. So there, there you go. There's that little fun fact. But did you know that it's not a requirement by the Constitution, that a Bible or any book be used for the oath of office. John Quincy Adams in 1825 chose to get sworn in on a U.S. law book, and Theodore Roosevelt in his first inauguration used no book at all. Though many, or most I should say rather, presidents have opted to swear the oath on a Bible, and many of them will actually open the Bible and note uh, for prosperity's sake the verses on the page that mark the occasion. Um... And I had George Washington, he began the tradition of swearing in on a Bible. His Bible was then used by Presidents Harding, Eisenhower, and George H.W. Bush. And uh, <laughs> when George Washington, they decided to open the Bible, he hadn't thought of a verse. He wasn't, they just opened it. And the verse that he was sworn in on was Genesis forty nine thirteen: Zebulun shall dwell at the haven of the sea, and he shall be for an haven of ships, and his border shall be unto Zidon. <laughs> the verse was chosen at random due to haste. And I believe that he may have been the only president to ever be sworn in uh, with Genesis forty nine thirteen as his passage. <laughs> Rutherford Hayes, Bible verse that he chose in 1877, um, he, uh, he had just come out of a very, very bitter, contentious election. So he chose Psalm 118, 11 through 13. They come past me about like bees. They are quenched as the fire of thorns for in the name of the Lord, I will destroy them. <laughs> that's, some, that's, that's really rather humorous. Uh, Franklin Roosevelt chose to get sworn in on, though I speak with the tongue of men and of angels, but have not charity, I'm become a sounding brass or a tinkling symbol. Of course, first from first Corinthians 13, he used the same. Uh, he used the same passage for all four of his inaugurations. Richard Nixon, who was sworn in in the midst of, um, we could say, the most unpopular war in American history, chose Isaiah 2-4, which says, And he shall judge among the nations, and shall rebuke many people, and they shall beat their, plow- their swords into plowshares, and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war any more. 
Ronald Reagan used his mother's Bible for both inaugurations and opened it to the same passage on each occasion. Second Chronicles 7.14, If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sin, and I will hear, heal their land. By the way, Mike Pence is choosing to get sworn in on on Reagan's Bible uh, that Reagan was sworn in on, and he has chosen to use the same verse as Reagan. He's also going to get sworn in on Second Chronicles seven fourteen. I'm not sure what uh, what passage, if any, Mr. Trump has selected for his Bible to be open to. Um, but okay, we're going to have to uh, take a break. We are going to come back with Jean Mancini from the March for Life. She's going to tell us about what's happening there in Washington, D.C. and how we can be a part of it, even if you're listening on the West Coast. But first, let me tell you about Mario Giannini State Farm Insurance. They're one of our KVXL sponsors offering all types of insurance. They offer auto, home, life insurance, more. Um, basically, if you have something that can or should be insured, they can help you. And if you mention KVXL, when you call Mario Giannini State Farm for a no-obligation insurance quote, they will donate $10 to Experience Liberty Radio. You can reach them at 702-982-3300, and we'd like to thank them for their faithful support of our weekly programming. All right, we're going to take a break. We're going to play, let's play uh, Danny Goki with Give Me Jesus. When we get back, we'll have Jean Mancini here from the March for Life. We'll talk with her for a little while. Then we'll get back to some things about that are coming up that you need to know. Or, well, you don't necessarily need to know, but that you might like to know about what's going on with the uh, with the inauguration still this week. And then we're going to wrap things up today with uh, another one of my uh, favorite inauguration speech highlights. So stay with us. This is Danny Goki with Give Me Jesus. And welcome back. You're listening to The Frittle Show on KVXL 101.1 FM Experience Liberty Radio in Las Vegas. We have Jeannie Mancini is on the phone with us right now. She's the president of the March for Life. Jeannie, how are you doing? I'm doing really well. Thank you. Very busy getting ready for everything happening over the course of the next week. Oh, it is a busy week in Washington, D.C. Obviously, we have the inauguration tomorrow, and then next Friday is the March for Life. So let's talk about that. Uh, I didn't really introduce you. You've been with the Family Research Council. You have been with the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. You're on MSNBC, CNN, Fox News, ABC you're all over the place as president of the March for Life, which I think that most of our audience is probably familiar with the March for Life and what it is. But uh, let's let's talk about that. Um, you know, when I was eight years old, I think I was about eight. I lived in Pennsylvania at the time, so I was able to go. I went to my first March for Life. It was one of the most exciting, most powerful memories of my childhood, and I was thinking about this interview, thinking about that moment, and just remembering being there, listening to the speakers, seeing some of the signs that people were holding up. Um, and I remember knowing that before that, I knew, because my parents taught me, I grew up uh, in a pro-life home, that uh, that abortion was horrible and sinful and wrong because my parents taught me that. But I don't think I'd ever really grasped it individually until that moment. I'd never seen pictures like that. I'd never heard speakers like that. And I think that was when it pretty much got real for me. That was when I realized that abortion wasn't just wrong. It was downright evil. Um, and I was... As I thought about what I would talk with you about today, I was thinking, you know, is that is that kind of what the march is about, just educating people? Is it about the awareness factor? That's a huge part of, of what we're about. So we, we, you know, the history of the march is that it started on the anniversary of Roe versus Wade, <clears throat> excuse me, Roe versus Wade and Doe versus Bolton. And, mm-hmm. of course, those were Supreme Court decisions that legalized abortion 
in the United States, and and it legalized it through all three trimesters. So really, up yeah. until the time of birth, that happened back in 1973. And then the following year, Nellie Gray, the founder of the March for Life, gathered together a number of other leaders, and they they marched, you know, in remembrance of the babies that had been lost and the moms that were suffering from having chosen and having been involved in abortion. Um, and then. Then, it, of course, so we were originally started just as a response to Roe versus Wade and Doe versus Bolton, which were really decisions of judicial activism outside of the parameters of what the court normally does. They weren't so much decisions of interpreting the Constitution. They were more sort of creating legislation outside of the Constitution. Yeah. So many thought that those, right, many thought that those decisions would be corrected soon and that the march would be like a one-time or a two-for two, or something like that. But, of course, here we are 44 years later still marching. And, and you tapped upon, Crystal, our most important goal, which is educating. And we seek to build a culture where abortion is unthinkable, where mm-hmm. no woman wants to choose abortion. And that's, of course, a much loftier goal, in my opinion, than just uh, correcting Roe and Doe, although it is our hope as well to enact more pro-life laws whether they're incremental laws, and then ultimately to have laws in our country that fully respect the inherent dignity of the human person from conception. Yeah, and you're exactly right. Obviously, we all want to see, well, all of us that are pro-life want to see Roe uh, overturned. But if we can change that mindset, if we can help people understand it's it's a child, it's a baby, it's a life, then... As you mentioned, it becomes unthinkable then to commit this atrocity known as abortion. Um, and if we can reach that, then we've really accomplished more than than we would even overturning Roe if we can change the minds. And I think we've seen, I just saw a headline the other day that the I believe the rate of abortions has decreased yet again this year in our country. And why do you why do you think that is? And is well if that's correct, and is it just that is it that, that awareness is becoming more of a thing? Is it the technologies? Because now we can see the baby actually growing in the womb what what is that yeah you know what i think crystal you're you're so well educated on this issue i think all of the things that you just mentioned have absolutely had an impact you know science and technology are on the side of life let's Mm -hmm. face it so we can see a heartbeat we can hear a heartbeat so early we know that that is not a lifeless blob of tissue that a mom is pregnant with that it's a it's a person it's a person you know and um that has had a huge impact on abortion because it used to be the mantra of um the abortion advocacy kind of lobby that it was a blob of tissue it didn't matter you know what happened to that um but it's hard to it's hard to argue with a beating heart it's really (laughs) hard to argue with a beating heart um, and so, and then, of course, we also have had a lot in the way of bad experiences with abortion. So mm-hmm. we always at the March for Life have women who've been involved in abortion and who regret it. This year, we've got Abby Johnson, who mm-hmm. used to work at Planned Parenthood. She was a director, and she she herself has has chosen abortion on a few occasions, and she came out of that. And she came out of that, and now she's pro life, and she started this incredible group called And Then There Were None which seeks to help abortion workers come out of that industry and to find a better, uh, more fulfilling, more life-giving, affirming uh, job. And um, so, you know, again, so we've had years now of women who regret having been involved with this, seeing and physically experiencing and psychologically experiencing the consequences of abortion. Then we've got you know, advances in ultrasound and technology, we also have a lot in the way of advance of research, mm. you know, both on post-abortion syndrome as well as fetal pain and all of these different things. 
Then there's also been different moments in our culture where people who haven't necessarily grappled with this um, have, have been forced to because of news. So when the partial birth abortion debate was happening in the 90s in Congress, it didn't actually pass at that point. It passed later. This is the partial birth abortion law outlawing a certain kind of abortion that's very late, and it's actually allowing the baby to be born alive and then, then taking its life. It's just really it's atrocious. All abortions, but yeah. this one is just, yeah. And, uh, and that's outlawed in the United States. And But when, when folks heard about it and heard about the procedure of abortion, more and more people became pro-life. These mm. are, you know, primarily people who hadn't really thought about this. And, you know, sometimes the way that it's touted by abortion proponents is abortions like removing a little wart or something like that. Well, you know what? It's not. Mm. It's not. Um, abortion is a violent surgery, and um, even chemical abortion is very hard. Um, the woman herself becomes the abortionist, and then she sees the child pass, mm. you know. And so it, it's not – when you really sort of look into abortion and look into the industry, there's there's a lot of darkness. Let's just put it that way. There's yeah. a lot of darkness. And so we've had years and years of this experience of the darkness of the abortion industry and, and the experience itself. And then we've got all sorts of advances in science and technology, and that has – produced a culture that is more and more pro-life that hearts and minds are being changed to become more and more pro-life yeah and it is it's just it's such it's such a dark dark industry it is just evil really when it comes down to it and we saw that i think uh, people started to see that more with the kermit gosnell scandal um and you guys have stood out there as this bright shining light penetrating this darkness and yet the media as a whole i love how the media never really covers the march for life and if they mention it's just oh there was a group of people that happened to be in washington dc walking down the street and you know now we'll move on. Um, but uh, the power of one is your theme this year. Talk about that for a minute, if you would. I'd love to. So probably the best way to capture the theme is by borrowing a beautiful little phrase by uh, the great J.R.R. Tolkien, uh, author, yes. of course, of the trilogy, The Lord of the Rings. And he said, a, a per- even the smallest person can change the course of history. And it's true. It's true that sometimes we might feel like, our lives don't make a difference, that there's so much going on in terms of a culture of death around us and a misunderstanding of the inherent dignity of life that it really doesn't make a difference. You know, I don't really need to do anything because it's not going to impact. Well, that's just not true. Mm. It, it makes a profound difference, and everybody has a unique kind of way in which they can help to build a culture of life. And so our hope with the theme this year is to really empower March for Life participants and those even who can't come to the march but who are pro-life to be able to uh, fully, you know, more fully kind of look inside their heart, think about what it is that they're called to do to help to build a culture of life and to more fully embrace and and live that to the full. Yeah, exactly. So I know that you have a uh, a meeting, so I don't want to keep you much longer here, but uh, let's get to some nitty gritties of the actual March itself. I believe it's next Friday. Is that correct? That's right. A week from tomorrow, a week from the inauguration. And uh, you can check out our website, marchforlife.org, to get all sorts of information on being engaged in social media or a trip planner. We have a fabulous 
fabulous lineup of speakers, including Kellyanne Conway, Cardinal Bolin, Bishop Vincent Matthews, who's the head of the Church of God in Christ, the largest African-American denomination in the country, Karime mm-hmm. um, Lozano, former Mexican novella star, Eric Metaxas, you know, oh, love Eric. New York Times bestselling author. Love Eric. He's going to be so good. Yes. So we've really, and I, that's just to name a few. I mean, we've got just a really, really impressive lineup. And we also have a special guest who I'm not allowed to announce, but a very, very special VIP guest that will be speaking. Oh, so I would guess. Really, really <laughs> I would life. guess, yeah, but I'm not going so to guess. Um, Just in case I get it right. I don't want to put you on the spot. All right. Um, But there's also, this is a part that I think some people may not be aware of. There's the March, but there's also like conferences and seminars. How do people, it's just marchforlife.org. Is that where people would go to find out about that? Marchforlife.org. Right. The day before the March is something called the Conference and Expo. And um, it's so much fun and really informative. And so in the morning from nine to noon, we're really drilling down on that theme, the power of one and have a terrific lineup of speakers. Ryan Bomberger's our keynote. In the afternoon, there's a youth rally. And throughout the whole day, there's a free expo hall Hmm. with over 75 exhibitors that people can go and get little fun pro-life freebies, coffee, all of that, and just have a great time networking with folks. Then the the following day is the actual March for Life. The rally begins at noon on the grounds of the Washington Monument and and goes till about 1. And then there's the march itself, which lasts till about 4.30 or 5, going up Constitution and then taking right on to First Street and passing the Supreme Court and finishing there in front of the Supreme Court. And then our last activity is the Rose Dinner. And Cardinal Dolan of New York is our keynote speaker for the Rose Dinner this year. Mm. And um, if anybody's interested, there are still a few tickets available for that. So you can check us out at marchforlife.org. Marchforlife.org. And if you're someone like me, I know we are having a march here in Las Vegas. I believe it's March 11th. I think, uh, is it correct that there are marches all across the country? If there are other people that, you know, they maybe can't get to Washington, D.C. next week? Are there other marches that they can participate in? Yes, and that we have a list of those on our website. They kicked off last weekend, and then there's a whole round of them this this weekend. Um, and then, yes, you're right. And I didn't know that they continued all the way through March, but that's pretty exciting that you're having one in Vegas. I'm happy to hear that. Yes, I'm I'm working on getting you connected with the organizers of that. I just didn't have time to yesterday, but I'm going to get that over to you guys uh, hopefully this afternoon. So uh, anyway, I know um, I'm keeping you from your meeting. I appreciate you being here, Jeannie. Thank you so much. We wish you the best. Praying for a great event for you all next Friday. Friday. Excited to see what that is and uh, and listen to your special guest speaker. <laughs> well, thank you so much. Thanks, thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Oh, no problem. Thank you so much, Jeannie. Stay with us. We're going to be back in just a minute. We're going to play Testify to Love from the uh, Chibortev Choir, and then we will continue. Stay with us. And there you go. Testify to Love from the Chibortev Youth Choir. Quite good, really. So, Inauguration Day, tomorrow, we talked all about President-elect Trump's cabinet choices, his White House staff, in the show earlier. If you missed it, you should go to SoundCloud or iTunes, just look up The Frittle Show, and you can listen to everything you need to know about the inauguration there. Or you can, you know, Google or do something else. But really, why would you do that when you could just listen to me? That would be simpler. And if you just missed it, we just finished talking to Jeannie Mancini. She's the president of the March for Life. We talked about uh, abortion and pro-life issues and what's coming up with the march and ways that you can be involved. So if you missed that, then just stop what you're doing. Pull over your car. Download iTunes or SoundCloud. Get the app because you have to download today's 
podcast and listen to it. Now, it's not the podcast is not up right now because if you're listening right now, as in at 7.45 a.m., not for the rerun, but if you're listening at 7.46 a.m. now, the podcast is not available yet because you're, you're listening live. But it means that you missed what we just said when we were talking to Jeannie. So um, if you give me like two hours... <laughs> Or if you're listening to the nighttime show, then it's already up. But you need to listen to that interview. I love the March for Life. I love what they are doing. Love that that we are finally seeing some progress on the life issue in this country. And as Jeannie said, there's going to be a very special speaker at this year's March for Life. I, I don't want to steal their thunder, but I'm pretty sure I know who it is, and it is a it's going to force the media to cover this event because they usually they don't. There was a headline, I don't remember which news outlet had it yesterday, but it just made me shake my head because they were covering oh, a group hundreds of thousands of people will be marching in Washington DC next Friday for an event by uh and then they, they used like some parent organization name. So they completely disassociated it from the abortion issue, from the life issue, and this is what the media does. They just ignore what they don't want to talk about. It's this inconvenient truth that, yeah, there are pro-life people out there, and yeah, they do have uh, a voice, and they do intend to be heard, and, oh, you know, maybe we should maybe we should think about this. Maybe we should talk about the fact that there are alternatives to abortion. So, anyway, download iTunes or SoundCloud so that you can get the podcast of today's show. Just search The Fertile Show on either one of those. It'll get you there. Okay, let's hit a couple more items related to the inauguration, then I will let you go for today. Tomorrow, I don't know, because usually we do, like, Fun Friday, and the morning show will be prior to uh, Mr. Trump being sworn in. The nighttime show will be post him being sworn in, so I'm not sure how I'm going to handle tomorrow's show yet, but I'll figure that out. I will figure that out. If you have suggestions, you can send them to me. You can uh, email radio at experienceliberty.com, or you can tweet me, or find me on, on Facebook at The Frittle. Let me know. What should we talk about tomorrow? How should I How should I do tomorrow's show? And I will uh, I will get your suggestions worked in there. All right, so this one this is on a lighter note, a much lighter note in my opinion. Um, this is from the Blaze. Don John's portable toilet company angry at Trump inauguration cover up. That is a real headline from a real news site. This is not a fake news site. It's not CNN. No. All right. The owner of the company that is providing portable toilets for the inauguration for President-elect Donald Trump is angry because someone is covering up their company name with blue tape. So, okay, let me explain to you a couple things first. Hundreds of thousands of people are descending on Washington, D.C. today and tomorrow and this weekend. Hundreds of thousands, if not a million. I don't, I don't know what the number is. I know it is a ton of people. I've been in the Washington, D.C. area once before around inauguration time, and it is insanely crazy. So what they do is they bring in hundreds of porta-potties to accommodate the massive influx of people. So you've got this porta-potty company, and they're providing all these porta-potties, and of course, they want their branding out there so that if somewhere down the line, someone that's attending the inauguration or the inauguration festivities thinks, hey, I need porta-potties for such and such event, their mind thinks of these porta-potties. Well, that's why the porta-potty company is not happy because their name is being covered up with blue tape. The reason the name is being covered up with blue tape, and this is back to the article, is likely to have something to do with the company's name, Don's John's. 
Workers for the Virginia company were surprised to find that someone was putting blue tape over the name every morning, according to the New York Daily News. An employee of the company explained, we knew they were being covered up because we're delivering them there every night and they saw it. We wondered who was doing it. Now we know. Apparently, someone doesn't want the name Don's Johns to be associated with the president-elect's name Donald. The presidential transition team did not respond to a request if asking if they were behind the cover-up. The CEO of the company, Rob Reghorst, is unhappy about the whole deal and is telling his employees to rip the tape off, saying, we like to have our names on our units. The inauguration is set for Friday, January 20th, and many protesters expect to attend in addition to the thousands of well-wishers. It's very likely many of them will find themselves having utilized Don's Johns, whether or not they can see the logo. Now, why would this be a problem? Well, Don, of course you could say would be short for Donald and oh uh, yeah un- inconveniently Donald Trump's middle name i believe is John that's you know what the j in the Donald J Trump stands for so obviously there's somebody that <laughs> doesn't want Don's Johns being utilized at Donald John Trump's inauguration personally if i'm the owner of this company i'm thinking let them use the blue tape and then be ripping the tape off like during the inauguration. Make a stink about it and then you're, no pun intended, and then you get more publicity for your porta potty company. I, they should be happy about this because now they're in the news. Like everybody knows the name of this porta potty company in Washington, D.C. Everybody. And if there hadn't been tape covering them up and if they hadn't been related uh, in name only to the uh, swearing in of the president-elect, then no one would care and no one would know. But now <laughs> everyone will remember. So that's my that's my lighthearted take on something lighthearted. Should we do one more lighthearted? Let's do one more lighthearted. Steve Harvey wants a Trump-Obama family feud. If host Steve Hardy had his way, the Trumps would compete against the Obamas on Family Feud. This is from The Hill. The game show host and comedian met with President-elect Donald Trump last week and afterward briefed reporters at Trump Tower on the face-to-face. Trump, Harvey said, is a big fan of Family Feud. He's probably the, the biggest fan, the best fan. When asked if he would have Trump and his brood on Family Feud, Harvey replied with a laugh, the Trumps being on Family Feud against the Obamas, that'd be good. Or how about the Clintons? If I could set it up, it would be skyrocketing for the ratings. Sky it would crash it would crash the televisions is that possible can we crash televisions because i'm pretty sure that would crash television rather than potential political game show showdowns harvey said he discussed urban development with trump saying the real estate mogul wants to bring positive change to the inner cities he wants to do something he realizes he needs some allies in that department he seemed really sincere about it harvey 59 added according to a press poll Report. Harvey, host of an, uh, the daytime talk show, said he was invited to Trump Tower by both Trump and President Obama's transition teams. So there you have it. Shall we have a Trump versus Obama family feud? I think that would be fantastic. That would be... I, I, I could do some impressions, but it might not... Um, that might not be the best thing for me to do, but I think that would be hilarious. I mean, just, just imagine it. Try to picture it. I'm gonna make the picture yourself. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna do it for you. But it just makes me laugh thinking about that as any kind of possibility at all. <laughs> Be sure to join us on Sunday for church if you are here in Las Vegas. We're at 6501 West Lake Mead Boulevard. 
Liberty Baptist Church. Our services are at 9.30 and 11.15. If you are not in Las Vegas, you can still join us via the interwebs. Just go to experienceliberty.com, click on our media tab, and you can live stream our services with us, both services, and the evening service, 9.30, 11.15 a.m. Pacific Time, uh, 6 p.m. Pacific Time. Uh, or you can also listen on kvxl101.com. That's our website or if you're in las vegas you can listen to us 101.1 fm all right we're going to go out today continuing the tradition of the week playing highlights from my favorite inaugural addresses and today's is of course jfk's famous inaugural address passage hope you'll have a fantastic day and we'll see you back here tomorrow when our country when we will see yet again a peaceful transition of of power Hopefully. That's what we're praying for. That's what we should all be praying for. Yet another peaceful transition of power and the installation of a new president and new presidential team. Hope you're praying for peace in our country tomorrow and uh, and for our new president in his cabinet and everyone that's going to be involved in the transition as well as the Obamas and his team as they transition out of the office. It's a big change. It's a huge change for our country happening tomorrow. Have a great day, everyone. In the long history of the world, only a few generations have been granted the role of defending freedom in its hour of maximum danger. I do not shrink from this responsibility. I welcome it. I do not believe that any of us would exchange places with any other people or any other generation. The energy, the faith, the devotion which we bring to this endeavor will light our country and all who serve it. And the glow from that fire can truly light the world. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you Ask what you can do for your country. My fellow citizens of the world, ask not what America will do for you, but what together we can do for the freedom of man. Finally, whether you are citizens of America or citizens of the world. Ask of us here the same high standards of strength and sacrifice which we ask of you. With a good conscience, our only sure reward, with history the final judge of our deeds, let us go forth to lead the land we love asking his blessing and his help, but knowing that here on earth, God's work must truly be our own.